I'm Warren Berkeley with the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, and we are here to continue our studies in 1 Peter. We are in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. I sometimes look at a passage or paragraph with a few things I'm looking for that will stand out that helped me focus on the content of the passage. And then once I identify those things, I go back and see how those things are connected inside the context of that passage. In this case, 1 Peter 4, 1 through 5. And so here's what I see. Arm yourselves. That's a militant expression. Time is mentioned twice. Way of thinking is there in this context. And at the end of verse 2, the will of God. So we can begin with this. We must arm ourselves against sin for the rest of our time on earth to do the will of God. And we arm ourselves against sin by taking into our minds the same opposition to sin that we see in Jesus Christ. So there are some details that we will factor into that, but here is our starting place. We must arm ourselves against sin for the rest of our time on earth and do the will of God. And we do that arming against sin by putting into our minds the same opposition to sin that we see in Jesus Christ. Now, let's bring in all the details that go with that. The opening of chapter 4 refers back to what we studied the last time at the end of chapter 3, that Christ suffered and died once for sins, that Christ suffered and died once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. Christ then was raised from the dead. He ascended back into heaven and baptism now saves us. Chapter 4, verse 1, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, 
arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. When Christ came, in his life and teaching and death, everything about him was opposed to sin, militantly, openly, by his words and by his deeds. He was steadfastly against sin. And we ought to have that same militant attitude against sin. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking or the same mind, the same purpose. This is more than just knowing what sin is. This is my personal opposition to sin, based on the example of Christ, militant opposition to sin. I need that attitude. I need that way of thinking. Each of you need that attitude, that way of thinking. And this is very much like what Peter wrote earlier back in chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And this is very much like what Peter said in chapter 2, verse 1. Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. We cannot afford a relaxed view of sin. It's too costly. Jesus wasn't indifferent about sin at all. He lived against it, spoke against it, died for it. We, his followers, can't be indifferent about sin. When Peter quoted from Psalms 34, back in chapter 3, he said, turn away from evil. So my attitude about sin should imitate the militant attitude of Christ towards sin. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Cease from sin. You may be suffering. Cease from sin. Christ suffered. He ceased from sin. He committed no sin. Verse 2. So as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. What we don't know is how much time we have left on earth. And we don't know when the Lord will come. We may feel pretty good today, but we have no assurance of tomorrow. So every one of us need this personal ongoing resolution that we will not spend the time we have left on earth for human passions, for the will of the Gentiles, but rather for the will of God. It's, it's like Peter is saying, not this, but this, not the will of the Gentiles, that is to say worldly living for sin, human passion, but for the will of God. The impulses, temptations, and desires of the moment, contrary to God's will, is a waste of our time and an assassin of hope. I'll say, even if you know you had two years to spend that time for human passions against the will of God would be irreverent 
sinful, unwise, reckless, and destructive. So every one of us need this personal and ongoing resolution that we will not spend the time we have left on earth for human passions, but for the will of God. You see that, right? Let's move ahead. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Now stop there. This statement is not a slur against a race of people. This is the way worldly living was identified in that culture, in that time. This is very much like the statement Peter wrote in chapter 2, verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Not a negative commentary on all Gentiles in all time, rather the language of Peter's readers to further explain the human passions and the sin going on around them. Now the point at verse 3 is, if I may put it like this, enough of that. In the New King James, we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. Uh, I like this simple homespun expression, enough of that. Sometimes we do something or start a project, and when we see it isn't working or it is a waste, we say, enough of that. That's exactly what our attitude needs to be about sin, human passion, anything contrary to the will of God. I may have done this before. No more. Enough of that. From now on, the rest of my time on earth, I'm going to set my life against sin. Enough of that. Well, Peter, what are you talking about? You're talking about sin in general. Give us some examples. Just keep reading. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. According to statistics just released this past week, covered on the news Thursday, Texas is one of the most intoxicated states in America. We are second only to California in the consumption of beer per capita. Now, I know they didn't interview me. They didn't interview any of you. But intoxication was a problem all the way back in the time of Noah, in the time of Peter, and here in Texas today, and all over the world. And Peter not only brings up the obvious, drunkenness, he also brings into this list Drinking parties. And there are Greek authorities who tell us the word here means drinking intoxicating beverages without excess. We call that social drinking. So Peter is giving us examples, not an exhaustive list, examples of human passions that ought to have 
none of our time. Other sins in the list. Sensuality. That would include lewd sexual pursuits, immodesty, pornography, unchaste handling and movements of males and females, <coughs> passions, another general term for appetite and desire, orgies and drinking parties, spring break on South Padre. That's one of the big draws every year down in this part of Texas. Lawless idolatry, giving the attention God deserves to anything other than God. Now the point is, arm yourselves against these sins. Jesus committed none of these sins. He committed no sin. We must cease from sins. We must guard against any recurrence of sins we committed before the rest of our time. So every one of us need this personal and ongoing resolution that we will not spend the time we have left on earth for human passions, but for the will of God. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. That's 1 Peter 4, 1 to 3. We're going to add now verse 4. With respect to this, they are surprised when we do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. I know this has happened often. A Christian in the workplace or office Friday afternoon arrives, it's happy hour, everyone is invited to the flood of debauchery. And Christians say, no, I cannot do that. The response is negative. I don't want to have a good time in that sense. And somebody will say, you don't want to have a good time, your co-workers? You don't want to associate with your co-workers? Aren't you part of the team? And it may be worse with words that malign you. Peter says, I understand that. They are surprised that you do not join them and they malign you. But remember this, they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. That makes all of this very clear. There will be an ultimate time of reckoning. And that comes to our attention in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. In fact, the entire context. Takeaways. In our reading of this passage and our personal resolutions to be holy, we must never forget what Christ did for us. To be able to cease from sin. Christ suffered once for sins, 
the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Christ died to get us out of sin. Baptism was our response. Christ suffered in the flesh, and in his suffering, he never sinned. He was opposed to it. I need that kind of attitude. I need that mind. The time that is past when I sin suffices for doing what the Gentiles do. Number two, I want to stress that Peter in verse three is giving us a few examples of the sins that we must arm ourselves against, not an exhaustive list. There may be some temptation to read verse three and immediately conclude, I've never done any of those things. The fallacy is, this is just a sample of sin. Romans 3.23 says, we have all sinned. And back in Romans chapter 1, in that longer list of sins, there is envy and gossip and disobedient to parents and pride. I tell you, if one list doesn't get you, another will include you. We cannot, therefore, ever dismiss the relevance of passages like this. Now let me circle back to something I said in my introduction about time. The word is used twice in the paragraph. Verse 2, the rest of the time. Verse 3, the time that is past. So we have past alongside future. In the past, we may have been involved in all sorts of thoughts, words, and actions contrary to the will of God. Peter's point about time is our past sins must not be our future sins. Christ died for us. Baptism now saves us. And then comes this commitment to arm yourselves with the mind of Christ that is opposed to sin. And being armed is a term of militance. Thank you for paying good attention to our study of 1 Peter 4, 1 through 5.